Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. Our scripture this morning is this dazzling account from Mark's gospel of the transfiguration. Let's hear together the words from Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 9. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His And his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice, This is my son, the beloved, listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead." Today marks a really rare occurrence. Uh, Today on the Christian calendar, it is Transfiguration Sunday. We're joining with churches all over the globe today, uh, reading this passage and giving our devotion, our attention to the transfiguration of Jesus. But, But also on what I call the Hallmark calendar, it's Valentine's Day. But the last time this happened... Uh, I think that Valentine's Day and Transfiguration Sunday happened together. I think it was 2010. Well, what strikes me is that on the Christian calendar and the Hallmark calendar, on both we are celebrating the holy intimacy of transforming love. And in both cases, before love is shouted and shared The experience begins as a holy hush because words fail. Words even failed Peter in today's story. Uh, That doesn't happen very often. That's rare indeed. Have you ever noticed that Peter always answers first? He's the first to try, the first to jump, the first to speak. Do you remember the guy in high school who always raised his hand for every question that was asked? If you don't, you might have been that guy. So, But at Sequoia High School, it was David Fuller. David would put his hand up as soon as the question was asked and then try to construct some kind of reasonable answer while he was talking. 
The important thing to David was that he get called on so he could talk and people would look at him while he talked. That, as you can tell, drove me crazy. But one time, question was asked. David threw his hand in the air. Miss Lemon called on him. And David said, I, I don't know. And he put his, now go back through that again. The question was asked. He put his hand up to answer. Miss Lemon called on him. We all turned and looked at him for him to say, I don't know. Now, you probably had somebody like that in your class, too. Well, now, we know that Simon Peter is one of the great heroes of the faith. But I do think that Simon Peter got a little of that on him, too. He is so quick-spoken, so hot-headed, so quick to put his hand in the air. You, you, you remember, it was Peter who jumped out of the boat to walk on the water with Jesus. He was the one who quickly pulled his sword and cut off the soldier's ear in the garden. He's the one who said, no, 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 don't wash my feet, I'll wash your feet, I'll wash your feet. I know, I know, you are the Christ, you are the son of the living God. He, it, it's, it's as though Peter went everywhere with his hand in the air, ready to answer, ready to act, ready to strike. And in today's story, Peter jumps into this holy moment and fills it with words. The problem is, as we'll see in a moment, he doesn't know what to say. <coughs> Jesus does this from time to time in Mark's gospel. He, he goes away with Peter, James, and John. Uh, th this time, in this story, it's Jesus with the three fishermen up on a high mountain, and right there in front of them, in front of Peter, James, and John, Jesus is transfigured, transformed into this more beautiful being, clothes so white as to dazzle and astonish like bleached linen. And there in this transformed moment is Elijah, the, the beloved prophet who was so close to his in his communion with God that he didn't even die. He, he was communing with God, took one more step, and entered into heaven without ever dying. And, and next to Elijah was Moses, the great lawgiver who had spoken face to face with God in the presence of a burning bush, God's presence and God's voice. And the holy lawgiver Moses spoke. And then right between them is this sparkling, transfigured Jesus. And the three of them chatting away. Wow. Have you ever had one of those moments, one of those moments where you wish you could just capture it and make the world stop? So you could just kind of soak in all of the goodness at once, where past and present and future and holy and ordinary all just converge in one moment. I've seen cousins chasing each other and giggling and Grandmother say, says, I don't want this moment to ever stop. 
Or you might have had that experience hand-holding with your partner, oceanfront, dusk, smell of salt air, and you want the moment to go on forever. I remember one of these in my story, one of these please God don't let it in moments. Cooper, my grandson, was at the time uh, only a few weeks old. He was born in late March of 2014, and at that time we were still uh, living in the missionary house, Melissa and I were, we were still in transition. Haley, our daughter, had brought Cooper uh, to see us at the missionary house, and they had some errands or shopping or whatever. It doesn't matter. What matters is they left Cooper with me. First weeks of April also means the NCAA basketball tournament was in full swing. So you get in the picture? It's Saturday. It's all-day basketball. I'm stretched out in full recliner mode with Cooper across my stomach and chest. And what I'm so aware of is his breathing and his warmth and his glory. And then just beyond my feet, I could see college basketball on TV. But I wasn't paying that much attention to the college basketball because right here was this breath coming in and out of newborn perfection. And I thought, I, I don't want it to ever end. It, it, it can't get better than this. And on the one hand, there's nothing more ordinary than a baby and a recliner and college basketball. And yet, on the other hand, nothing more holy, more sacred. Three fishermen got to see this dazzling, holy, transforming moment. One of those holy hush moments that you want to go forever. And wouldn't you know it, Peter raises his hand and says, call on me, call on me, I know. Let's build three houses, three huts right here. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Sometimes you want to smack him. They're all transfixed by this sacred moment, and Peter does what Peter does. But then in the very next verse, he's called on it. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. It's true, I think, that the most intimate experiences leave us first with nothing to say. I, I mentioned earlier the coincidence of Valentine's Day and Transfiguration Sunday. They're both celebrations of the intimate. If on this Valentine's Day you find yourself truly swept off your feet, hopelessly smitten by a romantic love that blesses you, and transforms you and claims you with a head-to-toe delight, which certainly must be true for Melissa. If that's true for you, then you know that part of this intimate love story is not for the general public. There's a holy hush, a 
shared agreement that some things are too intimate, too precious to speak. Words will only cheapen. Love in this form is just past the reach of language. So we agree that the holy parts we won't talk about. Here, transfiguration, white clothes, sacred space, holy visitors, and there is this high mountain hush. They, they didn't know what to say. Even though Peter took a weak stab at it, they were in awe. And then a cloud settles on the mountain. Remember, there's Elijah, the great prophet. There's Moses, the great leader of the Exodus. Jesus transfigured. And now a cloud settles. The cloud, the symbol of God's presence that led the exiled people out of the wilderness. And this time, the cloud of presence speaks and says, This is my son, my beloved Listen to him. Suddenly, they look around, and there's no cloud, no Moses, no Elijah. We're back to three fishermen and Jesus. And they walk back down the mountain in that stunned hush. And Jesus says, as they are kicking rocks and staring off into space, hey, don't tell anybody what happened up there. Wait until the Son of Man has risen from the dead. As for now, don't say anything. Well, let's be honest, Peter probably would have, right? If he hadn't been told not to, Peter would have probably run down the hill, put his hand in the air and said, Hey guys, y'all ain't going to believe this. But maybe not. My experience is that most people are reluctant to tell their holiest moments. Most of the Christ followers I know have some story where God broke through the familiar, showed up in spectacular ways and in ordinary ways. I don't know anybody who's had a burning bush experience or a transfiguration story, but I know several people and several stories where God broke through the veil and offered a glimpse of bleached white glory, and the people left changed and speechless when it was over. Do you have one of those stories? Do you have an experience of God that seems too personal to share? Or maybe we don't share because we think it's too weird or will anybody believe me? One of the great privileges of being your pastor is that some of you have trusted me with those stories that begin with a holy hush. And in almost every incident, when you start to tell me, you'll say, I I, I hope you don't think this is weird, or I don't tell many people this because, you know, they might want me to see a doctor, or 
You might think I'm just making this up, but... Let me tell you one of my stories. I've told this story uh, to you one time before. It was years ago, and some of you had already nodded off, so I'm going to tell it again. It was 11 years ago. My daughter Haley had just gotten engaged to our now son-in-law, Chris, and Melissa and I were delighted. We were delighted. We were just not financially prepared for a wedding that had not been part of our planning. And so I did what I'd do. I, I fretted. I'd come home, head down, grumbling, and Late at night, Melissa would say, I'm headed to bed. And I'd say, well, not me. I'm going to stay up a few more hours and stare at my checkbook and fret a while. Well, some side information that, that I think you might need for this story. I'm, I'm a certified leadership coach. In, in my former life, I became certified with the International Coaching Federation, and I did some executive coaching on the side. One of my friends who's full-time in the coaching world called me during, at the beginning of this season of engagement, and she said, I've just landed a big contract, too big for my little company uh, to satisfy. It's coaching uh, uh, executives for rider trucking in Doral, Florida. I need to expand my group. I need to bring on some contract folks. Would you be interested in taking on coaching of some executives at Doral? Well, for two years, I stayed with her and with them. For two years, I flew uh, every month to Miami and back. Now, all of that is mundane enough, except it's not ordinary in my story. Because I knew, I knew deep down God had heard me and provided. Now, every time I see a rider truck on the highway, it is transformed into a holy icon. It's a reminder for me of God's holy provision, God's lavishness. In Genesis, we're told the story uh, of the rainbow, an occasional visual reminder of God's covenant. Well, I have another occasional and visual reminder of God's covenant with me. <laughs> it's a diesel truck with a red logo. We are occasionally transformed by all. The story of God's love in Christ spread from a small band of followers who kept telling the story and kept telling the story. But before they were proclaimers, they were transformed themselves. An intimate encounter, the kind we even have trouble giving voice to, They were first transfixed by the miracle that brought them into the holy presence of transforming love. And whatever hardship came later, they could rely again on that moment 
when God broke through. That moment becomes the anchor for belief. When any storm comes, it becomes the the thing we look to to remember that God is real and God is alive and God is at work in my life. And if you have had one of those moments, it may still be too intimate to speak out loud. But at least when the storm comes, you can hold it holy and close as a reminder that God's love attends you, that God is active in the daily pursuit of your becoming all God created you to be. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church.